Welcome to Constructive Curiosity, a podcast that promotes personal growth, authenticity, and helping others through inspirational messages, techniques for success, and interviews with extraordinary people. Follow and subscribe on YouTube and Instagram at Constructive Curiosity or listen on your preferred podcast platform. The journey begins now. Sir Simon and Beth Hockney, how are you all doing? Doing great. What about yourself? You know, I can't complain. So people are probably tired of me asking about weather. That's usually my go-to interrupt questions. So let's try something different tonight. So you're telling me before we started recording how you guys met a little bit and how you ended up in Louisiana. So if you could recount that, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. So we actually met on the job. Um, we both worked for um, a bakery company, and it ended up that we met and had a great conversation and ended up being with each other ever since you know and uh we got engaged she decided that she wanted to grow her family down with her family so we moved to louisiana um she basically said i'm going down there to raise my family you can come too um so we ended up living with my in-laws for about a year and a half and they were fantastic you know they were supportive they helped us out all along the way they had us inside the house with open arms man it was fantastic and then we ended up finding a piece of property that we loved um had our first kid um riley who is now five and um we've just been growing ever since because now i'm three kids deep three girls to be <laughs> <laughs> the first three girls too and then i finally got a boy on number four man three girls is rough yeah i'm i'm done <laughs> i'm done <laughs> smart decision there i said i would never trade in my kids for anything but yeah three girls got three teenage girls here in a few years it'll be rough yes yes so beth how'd you figure out you want to be with this guy i mean i've known him for a long time so what <laughs> what brought you two together um, so I'll never forget it. The bakery we were working at, he says, Hey, I'm here to see your boss. And I'm said, yeah, they're not here. He said, well, I'm going to do your boss's job. And before the end of the night, he um, had my number and I said, okay, we'll give it one date. That's it. Like I traveled a lot prior to meeting him. I was never tied down and, um, and I liked it that way. Um, and that one date, I was just like, dang, he's a pretty cool guy. And we just hit it off from there. It was over. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great way to start. <laughs> yep. So the Hockney Homestead, for those of you who haven't followed or looked at the recent video I showed, you definitely should and check them out. How did that all come about? So it's actually my crazy wife. Um, I am I am not the main ideas person. I can take her big ideas and then place them into action. So she came to me one day and said, I want to grow and raise our own food. I mean, it's a simple concept, but when you think you think about it, it's a whole bunch, you know, because think of your family, you know, a family of six and how much food you go through. You, you got to start thinking about what do I do? How do I do this? Where do I go? And, you know, we, we just looked at each other and go, I guess we just got to jump in. Um, and what, what were your thoughts going through your head? So I actually went to culinary school, so I knew how to cook food. Um, working in fine dining restaurants, I got really burned out. So I took a job in New York as a private chef on a farm. And so at that point, not only did I know how to cook food, but I learned how to grow and raise our food. 
And so after meeting Simon and we had our first child and he's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, we're going to be farmers. He's like, I don't think it works that way. And I'm like, no, no, we totally can do this. I want to grow everything we eat. And that's where it started. We spent the first three years eating nothing but chicken. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's all we could produce at the time. Um, And now we have gone to chicken, duck, quail, beef, pork. There's not a protein that we don't. I mean, we, we haven't stopped. I mean, it's coming from somebody who struggles to keep a tiny garden afloat. That's just a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, You know, we hear that day in and day out. We have tours here on the homestead and it's amazing the amount of people that say the exact same thing. They go, I've got a black thumb. And to be honest with you, no one has a black thumb. It's all a matter of just trial and error. To be honest with you, you've got to, you've got to know what you're putting in because if you put in effort, you're going to get effort back. You know, um, you don't have to make it rocket science. Sometimes you can just put it in a thing of dirt and watch it grow, you know? And that's kind of something that I remind people. I mean, when we first started, I felt very defeated because everything I learned in New York does not apply to Southeast Louisiana. (laughs) And I thought, no, I lived on an organic farm. I mean, we had 45 acres of produce. I totally can do this. Our first year there were some questions of whether or not we knew what we were doing. And truth is we didn't, I had no idea what we were doing, but um, we watched YouTube videos Mm -hmm. we did research and come to find out there's not much out there for growing food in the heat. Um, So I tell people summer gardens in Louisiana are not where it's at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We grow just what we need to get us through that season. And then I forget about gardening in the summer. I mean, this year it got up to 115 at one point, nothing's growing in that. Um, I don't even want to be outside of that. (laughs) Um, and so fall gardens and spring is where it's at for us, but I know that's not the case for everybody, you know, in Kentucky. I mean, we just visited his family and y'all are done growing stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we have lettuce that's growing outside right now. So it's just two totally different climates. And that's what I tell people. It's, you just have to figure out what works for you. Watching YouTube channels is great, but they're going to discourage you at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I wonder if Louisiana is the same as South Alabama because I lived there for a while and it's very clay, lots of clay soil. Yes. So that, you know, we we tell people raised beds are kind of where it's at um, because you can condition your soil to whatever it is. You can mess with it, play with it, and you don't have to go digging about six feet deep, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you don't have to worry about your roots getting, you know, stuck essentially there. Uh it doesn't go through no that soil is terrible for that yeah you can't hardly grow anything we tried a little garden we lived down there and we didn't do raised beds so it did not work out at all we have raised beds on one section of the property here and then on the front section we have a 70 by 100 garden that we've been working on for about three years now um we brought our beef cows in there and let them fertilize everything with their poop (laughs) And then we turn the pigs in and let them rotate all of that fertilizer into the soil for us. Then we rested it. Then I sent the goats in to brush it all and um, get rid of all the brush. And then we started planting and it's going better than the raised beds. But I amended that section of soil um, over the course of about three years. Yeah. To get it ready to actually do its job. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and um, we have a group and a lot of the people are actually interested in gardens more than anything else. 
because of how limited access there is to information on it. Yeah. You know, at least for a, a bunch of different climates. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the little instructions you get on the back of the card from Home Depot don't really tell you what to do. They don't, you know, and they're called all those Home Depot Lowe's, your, your big nurseries, we'll call them. You know, they, they're general populace plants you know they may not be great for your super cold climates they may not be great for your super hot climates you know yeah. um we actually found a local nursery that he grows his own plants here like he starts them off and then sells them there's nothing better than buying from a local person because one they're doing it in your area yeah so i mean those plants are, pro are climate controlled i guess you could you could call it yeah. best case scenario but you also know that you're getting a product from someone that worked just as hard as you're about to work. That's a great point. So not that we're putting down big box stores, but if you want the actual, what's going to grow where you're at, you got to go local. Yeah. yeah. The big box stores are great, but they're selling the same thing in New York, California, and Louisiana, the same varieties. And they're just not going to cut it for everybody. Uh, great. If you want to start off, you know, and figure out if you're capable of keeping it watered, but if you want something that's going to thrive, it's best to either find a local nursery mm -hmm. or order seeds that are specific for your area. Um, and if you're like me and don't like starting plants because you have toddlers that tend to destroy everything, you just barter with somebody. Um, we have a friend, she comes and grooms my dog for me, um, but she also starts all of my plants for me. If I buy the seeds, I give them to her and then we exchange you know, chickens and things like that in exchange for her services. That's awesome. See, and it's going back to a more, which other? Rustic's not the word I'm looking for here. And more, it's the ba back to basics. We yeah, like to call yeah. it back to basics. You know, we have we have three different sayings um, here. It started off uh, farming family faith. Three mm -hmm. separate words, but could also work in a sentence. You know, that's what we do here on the homestead. That's what it's based off of. And then we go into embrace the art of homesteading. You know, because it is an art. It's an artwork, you know, um, and not everyone can do everything. So that's why we say embrace the art of it, because the definition of homesteading is self-sufficient. Yeah. And we we gear more towards let's make it community sufficient. You know, let's be self-sufficient within the community. Find people that do something you can't or you don't want to, you know, and you work it out. And then we also have just back to basics because when you think back to basics, it simplifies everything. It really does. You know, there you don't need big equipment to do the work. Like she said, it took us three years to yeah. do that front garden. We used animals that we ended up putting into the freezer. We actually just bought our first tractor with a front end loader this year. Yeah. Um, we did not have, have heavy duty machinery here. We did everything by hand. <laughs> um, and we have a great appreciation for the tractor oh, now. Oh, <laughs> dude. Yeah. 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 Now it's not, it's not brand new. And I, I will tell you, Casey, anyone starting off buy second hand that works and put the effort into it. You get your hands greasy, get dirty because you have so much more appreciation. Like that, that tractor, I, I did the down payment on a brand new one is more than I put into that tractor. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I get to own it without a, I don't have a payment on it. I own it. That's nice. That, that's nice. Now I do have to put work into it every once in a while and replace some parts every once in a while, but I'm not paying $500 a month 
on a tractor. He still runs. You know, it, it runs great. I even have a, our, <laughs> our first tractor. <laughs> we call him Bruno because if you have kids and you've ever watched a certain movie, we don't talk about Bruno. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's a 1951 Ford 8N. It's called the tractor that built America. Mm -hmm. And I pushed that thing so hard. And he, the the guy I bought it from um, is a great, he's one of our biggest supporters, Yeah, man. And it, it's, I'll tell you what, the support he's given us is better than I could have gotten from our local dealer. From, you know, if I would have bought a brand new tractor from someone else. He, I mean, he's invested in us mm -hmm. and his wife is now invested in us. And it's just great to watch that, you know, the the memories and the connections you make yeah. just by doing this. Like, I never thought that I'd be able to leave my job, you know, and do this full time, you know. Um, it, it's just absolutely amazing. She told me last year, I'm bringing you home. And I kind of I kind of scoffed and laughed. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way you're bringing me home. And uh, she said, this is the plan, execute it. And so that's what we did. So what were you doing before? I have been in rest the restaurant industry for 18 years. Um, I managed one, I managed for one company for 16 and a half years, yeah. uh, four different franchises due to like the longevity. I had been with them and buyouts and things like that. Yeah. And then I work for a local mom and pop. Well, we'll call it a mom and pop, but they're, they're kind of bit, a big deal around here yeah. in Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> seafood restaurant um, as a kitchen manager for them. And the owner and GM is a great friend of mine. He's awesome. The I couldn't have asked for a better family. You know, um, I, I still help them out from time to time. You know, I mean, it's just great. It's great. The entire community down here in Louisiana is amazing you know um and it doesn't snow here yeah no no out <laughs> of place <laughs> no yep um but i kind of want to ask you what questions do you have for us about homesteading so the big ones is you know what would you tell people because people have to think you're crazy you know that you know that yeah. people think you guys are absolutely nuts what do you say yeah, absolutely well okay so first off first off you already know i'm crazy <laughs> um, no, um, so it's only crazy because people are, I'm going to call it spoiled by today's society. You know, how easy is it for you to leave your house and go get chicken nuggets or go get a chicken meal or to go get beef or pork? You know, you can go to the gas station and pick up that stuff. Um, but I encourage you to look at the price. You know, and then look at the ingredient list on it. So, yeah. um, we like we said, back to basics. Our pork is pasture raised and fed grain, you know, and watered. When, when we, you know, put them into our freezer, we don't add any extra to them. There's no extra saline. There's no water mm -hmm. added in there. It's just straight off the bone or bone intact into the freezer packaged. You know, there's no adding to it, you know. Um, and then also, I think that it's kind of crazy that more people don't do this or aren't interested in it. Yeah. Um, 
there's such a connection that we've created with our food. Like even raising our girls, they're five, three and a year and a half. Um, but they have only known that chicken walks around the front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids don't have an understanding that chicken is raised in a facility somewhere and then put on a truck and then driven to a factory. And then, and I think that whole back to the basic lifestyle is really about that, a better connection to the food you're consuming. Mm-hmm. I know people ask all the time, well, don't you get attached? Well, absolutely. But I know that my pigs were loved on from the day they were born to the day they hit our bellies. I can tell you that the pigs y'all are eating didn't share that same fate. You know, um, at least most of them didn't. Right. I mean, it's an industry. I've had people work for me in different positions. And one of the guys had a huge chicken plant. And that was his, you know, his side job. But he had a different job. He's like, yeah, you know, you process them. You feed them all. It's all mass produced. And you're like, that's. It's not sound appealing when you hear the behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like I told you, we we do some tours. We don't hide anything. You know, we're we're very upfront with people when they go, well, how do you raise them? Come on, let's mm-hmm. let's show you because I want you to be able to yeah. do the same thing. You know, and I think that's the crazy thing. You know, you ask what what do I say to those people that are crazy? You're crazy. You're crazy for not not being interested <laughs> in this kind of stuff. You know, um, and I do think that social media has played a huge role in making it seem unrealistic. We're not out there in linen dresses and aprons (laughs) and like 90% of the time I have my hair in a top knot bun. I'm in muck boots and maybe a clean pair of overalls. You know, I mean, it's not um, it's not this fancied up lifestyle. It's it's just real. And so that's what I tell people when they come on tours here or they do workshops with us. I said, this is not a Pinterest account and this is not an Instagram account. I mean, it is now, but it's not it's not going to be like we don't do photo shoots out here. There's no wooden fences and there's no, you know, picket line driveway. You know, it's not all pretty. Um, but it's practical and functional. And more than anything, we did this. Yeah. We're first generation. My parents didn't farm. My parents live in an HOA subdivision. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like this is us navigating new territory. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you if the two of us with three kids under the age of five can pull it off. So can you. Anybody can. Yeah. You know, and we've actually started teaching people at workshops to process their own chickens. Um, we've had people as old as 80 years old come out here to do her first chicken or people as young as 20 something do their first chicken. And they always say, Oh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. We pray. We appreciate what we're about to do. And we understand that we are about to take a life. But at the end of the day, we're about to feed our families. And that's really what's important to us. We yeah. do this because we're feeding our family. Yes, I don't know. I've had one experience. I've had to take out a chicken, and it was during a survival training. So it's a little different. <laughs> but imagine the way, imagine the way you guys get taught is or t- teach people is much more educational and not as nearly as scarring of a situation. Yes, absolutely. Th- that's the thing. When we when we do some do something, we are we're hands on because no one was hands on with us. You know, we luckily we have experience around that kind of stuff. Me with being in a restaurant, her with culinary. She's had to deal with the live animal. And then I've just grown up around that type of stuff. You know, um, my, my parents weren't farmers, but I was on a farm for a while. Um, and it just, it, it's good to have that hands-on person with you your first time to tell you it's going to be okay Yeah. to put your hand on 
they're back, you, you can feel the anxiety leave them, you know, just mm -hmm. by just by going, you got this. Okay. And it's amazing because after they do it, they do that. Sometimes they're crying because they're so joyful and it's just awesome, yeah. you know, to, to have that feeling that you taught someone to do that. And then when they reach back out the next day and say, that was an amazing experience. We thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. I can't believe I waited long. I mean, there's no better feeling than that. I mean, money can't replace that at all, at all, that feeling. And everything you guys are saying is really just, it's inspiring. It's more people need to break out of the norm. And that's one of the things that is a problem with American society and modern society as a whole is that you do what you think you're supposed to do. You wake up, you go to work, you come home, you you know cook the meal you bought from the store. And if that's what you want to do with the rest of your life, that's perfectly fine. That's yeah. The beauty of America, you have that option. Exactly. But there are other things you can do. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people get so stuck in that rut that you're talking about. I go I go to work on my way home. Oh man, I don't want my I don't want my wife to have to cook for me tonight. I'm going to stop by name your big box fast food restaurant. You know, um, so I'm going to help her out. Well, you're probably not treating yourself right. You know, you're, you're treating yourself to a meal, but are you treating yourself to the right meal? You know, um, I've noticed a huge change in myself since I've been eating right. I'm going to say eating right. You know, we're eating our own food that we're producing or we're eating food that was produced by one of our friends on another homestead. Yeah. And my attitude, my behaviors, my energy levels are completely different. Um, and even since I've been home full time, I am not, I used to be on energy drinks. I'm going to admit to you right now. I used to be on energy drinks all the time. Oh yeah. Um, but that was, that was the lifestyle, you know, go, 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 go. Um, and I think another, you know, to kind of piggyback off of that, there's this, um, misconception out there that we homesteaders and farmers, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but um, we're not up at the butt crack of dawn. Mm -mm. The beauty of what we do is our kids don't get up until about 830. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get to enjoy coffee and eat breakfast and then go do our chores and then decide if we're going to jump on the trampoline or if we're going to go do whatever. Um, it's not a, I mean, there are days where it's go, go, go. But for right. the most part, the lifestyle that we built, we manipulate what time we wake up. Yeah. Um, we also manipulate what time we get to bed. Um, and our kids, I see them benefiting from it. You know, there's no waking up at six o'clock to be on the bus for seven, to be at school for eight. And then I don't see them until four o'clock. We don't have that. Life. Um, and so not only are we doing better, like health wise for the food that we're putting into our bodies, but we have so much time together. And that's really the beautiful part about doing what we do. Yes. That is, that sounds wonderful. That's something, you know, <laughs> I did, that's something in life that most people love to have. And, you know, yeah. like how did, if you don't mind me poking a little bit, how is it financially practical? It, 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 it It's rough at first. I will tell you that right now. Um, do it right the first time. 100%. I'm going to tell you that right now. Do it right the first time and with I whatever you do. I think you have to survey your market. You know, mm -hmm. we realized when I told him um, we had a random concrete pad on the property here. Um, it's like 35 by 80. Um, and he said, well, what are we going to put there? I said, we're going to build a chicken coop. He said, baby, nobody needs a chicken coop that big. 
I said, watch me. And so what the majority of our business is, is we raise chicks until they're about four to five months old mm -hmm. and then we sell them. And that is where the majority of our income comes from. However, it's seasonal. And so that does end at some point. And so we do the tours and we do the workshops and, you know, because we didn't buy a brand new tractor, we don't have that note. We don't have car notes. We don't really have many bills. I don't spend, you know, I'll, I'll ask, but how much do you spend at the grocery every month? You know, oh, way too much. I don't spend that. <laughs> I mean, we still buy butter and flour and sugar and coffee. Um, and occasionally, you know, the girls might want something, but for the most part, we don't spend money at the grocery. And so like our kids don't drink juice unless we get oranges or satsumas from a friend and we can juice them. Um, so it's a lifestyle. And if you, you know, I challenge everybody to pick up a snack and read the ingredients. Um, we're actually a dye free family. So there's no artificial food dyes in our house. My daughter picked up a bag of marshmallows the other day at Target. Ooh. Do we need to talk about why white marshmallows have blue um, food dye in them? I was going <laughs> to say the same thing because that's something my wife and I just recently looked at. Was, right. Why do marshmallows need dye? <laughs> chocolate cake usually has dye yeah. in it. Why? Because the chocolate wasn't good enough? Okay, um, don't get me off on that conspiracy theory. It's a whole right. <laughs> that most people are buying are a probably not great for them and they probably don't realize it but b those are foods that we don't spend money on so mm -hmm. our grocery bill and your grocery bill are astronomically different yeah you know my daughter enjoys carrots for breakfast <laughs> um where you know most people are eating eggo waffles i guess yes yeah. well so i know if you all have all the chickens the eggs should never be a problem <laughs> about that so um, you asked how it is financially, and for me, everything's for sale. And um, th th there might have been this moment where someone came by and said, hey, do you have chickens for sale? I named a price, and uh, he said, okay, I'll take them. So I gathered up her personal flock and might have handed him over. Oh, <laughs> so I do have a few layers. I do. Um, but the beauty is I was at my parents' house today. They have like three dozen eggs sitting on the counter. I'm like, you might as well snag some of those. Um, but we do, we get about four eggs a day. Um, but, uh, it's the holiday season. So we're also running a bakery now. Um, we make sourdough, everything, bread, yeah. muffins, oh, cookies, cupcakes, so you name it. And of course, dye free, no additives and all that. So my eggs go towards baking pies for Thanksgiving orders right now. <laughs> so you guys have all kinds of lucrative, you know, different hustles that you're in. It seems yeah. like, and, you know, it's the seven strings of revenue is what you need to be super successful as well. I've always heard so something you guys are well on your way. But we're trying. Yeah. Um, a lot of it also depends on the animal. So we also make goat's milk soap, yeah. you know, because we she loves her goats. We started off with two. We are now sitting at 26. Um, so I can't say no. And if I do, I have to explain why I said no. And then I'm told why I'm wrong. So <laughs> typical marriage right there. Yeah. <laughs> But the goats do bring in a nice source of income as well for kidding season. I mean, we'll start kidding season in February mm -hmm. and, you know, just crunch the numbers. It's each of those, you know, 25 goats gives us one baby at $250 a piece. It's not a bad February payday. 
Um, yeah, goats typically have twins, and 250 is the lowest we sell for. Um, and they go up from there. I mean, we've yeah. sold goats for $900 before. Wow. Uh, because I have lines from Virginia and I have lines that are, I mean, I have people that buy show goats from me because those are the lines we carry. Um, so that is something I'd never know that there was show goats. Uh, forget my ignorance. I'm from Kentucky. The horses were the one thing I'd ever seen in a show. Casey, right. Casey let me tell you, it, it was an experience yeah. learning about all that because she was telling me about all the registration and all the moon spots and i'm like i gotta get educated on this myself i own the goats but i know nothing of this sort yeah. and it, it's just because it, i'm a genetics guy you know uh when it comes to figuring stuff out i'm like okay so if i do this and this i'll get this right and she goes not in the goat world and i'm like well then i'm out <laughs> i'll let you deal with all that i'll be there to feed them and take care of them but when it comes to identifying all that and fixing all the breeding stuff <laughs> yeah, you know, but with the goats, I mean, how cool is it that just what a month and a half ago, um, our kids got to see baby piglets being born, yeah. and I have two toddlers outside cheering on their mama pig as she delivers piglets, and they're cleaning them off for us. I mean, our daughters have experienced the beauty that is life mm -hmm. when you live on a farm, but we also deal with the not so good. You know, I mean, it's been a rough year for a lot of farmers, the drought and the heat. And we haven't had anything succumb to that necessarily. But I mean, we've had a, a couple goats that we've lost due to, um, you know, pregnancy related issues, I guess you'd say. And so, you know, we have to explain to the kids what, what just happened. Um, and they cry with us and then, you know, we pray about it. And then unfortunately, the day goes on. Yeah um and so and they still talk about it mm -hmm. you know they're like do you like do you remember that goat we had she's in heaven right we get to see her right and i'm like absolutely you know so they see both sides of the good and the bad of this and i don't know i know some people's kids who are in their teens that have never experienced loss before so mm -hmm. i think we're not only raising um you know back to the basics kids but they are exposed to things of the real world that have to be dealt with another trap of modern society i feel like is you know you, you have this bubble where you think everything is safe and everything is going to be fine and that real things don't happen and the real things do people don't know how to cope with them and there's a whole whole other episode we could go into of all the you know reactions yeah, right. to what happens because you don't have that ability to cope when you think 100 or now i guess 120 130 years ago people were homesteading that was still the primary source of living for a lot of the country and you'd yeah. lose dogs, you'd lose family members, cattle, all that kind of stuff would happen. That was a normal part of everyday life. And you grieved and then you moved on. You couldn't take like a year off. You had to just keep on going. You didn't have those mental health days. And you know, that's another thing about the, the homesteading life is we, we, we get asked all the time, well, what do you do if you're sick? Well, the animal doesn't, doesn't care. You know, it really doesn't. And so there are times where we do have to lean on each other a little bit more. Yeah. My, my main role is to care for the animals. She, she'll find the animals, she'll do all the ordering. She takes care of all the, the, the back of house work, if you know, that's what you wanna call it, you know, the accounting, all that, that's what she deals with. I deal with more of the manual labor, the, the stereotypical rancher, farmer, male job if you want to consider it that way, um, the, the hard stuff. And um, it's worked out pretty well, I would say. Yeah, 
I mean, he's in charge of the hard stuff, but you know, when he was still working a full-time job and I was out there yeah. eight months pregnant, lugging two toddlers with me in the morning, in the afternoon to go take care of goats, milk goats, tend to chicken, make sure turkeys were good, chase pigs around back into their fences. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, do it all. And it was exhausting. Yeah. But I don't regret it. I don't regret starting it while he still worked a mm -hmm. job. I mean, it. I know what he does out there <laughs> because you have to do it. Um, because and you know, Christmas Eve they don't care. Animals have to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, we gave birth to a goat. What was yeah. it? Two years ago? Yeah. On Christmas Eve. Yep. Wow. We were at a Christmas party and. I'm a helicopter goat owner, I guess you'd say, because I have cameras out there. And so I can monitor everybody. And um, I'm watching the camera and watching the camera. We had to leave a Christmas party. And they're like, what do you what do you mean? I'm like, that goat needs my help right now. Like, I'm going to have to go resituate the the baby goat that is inside of her to help her deliver this. And sure enough, we got here. And, you know, I know they didn't have cameras, you know, 150 years ago. But thank God we do, because we probably would have come home to a her being deceased and B I wouldn't have gotten those kids, which would have affected us financially. I think that's a good point that you bring up that we just don't live. We don't live back in the past. You know, <laughs> we talked back to, we talked back to the basic, but we still use 21st century technology Absolutely. To, to help us. You know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you, you got to embrace all the, yeah. all the, the good stuff too that's come through technology you know the cameras the phones oh, yeah. the the ability to share the knowledge i mean we wouldn't be able to do this 150 years ago we wouldn't have been able to do this back when you and i were teenagers man oh no. like yeah, dial up aol wouldn't work <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh i'm gonna get me started on that my kids they saw my parents are the only people i know that still have a home phone attached to the wall <laughs> And they're like, what is that thing? I'm like, that's a phone. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> yes, that is a phone. And it used to have the internet came from that. We went to Kentucky um, a couple weeks ago, and um, there was a house fed at where we were staying at my in-law's house. And um, my daughter goes, Mama, what is that? I said, baby, that's a phone. She said, no. -uh. I said, I promise you it's a phone, baby. You will never understand, but that is a phone. <laughs> it, it drives us crazy when, they, when they're trying to do the fake talk on cell phone. They go, hello. And I'm yeah. like, no, it's hello. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so something, something, some things just never change, and I guess you are, unless your parents have moved, they're still only about ten minutes away from mine, so they all have that same phone, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we, we we love it, and we we embrace the the new stuff as well as the old stuff. You know, I think it's just finding what works for you. Yeah. You know, um, if you don't have a big property, you don't need it. You can actually homestead in an apartment, Casey. Like you really can. Like you can just put a garden up. Rabbits. And rabbits. People don't under understand what you can do with rabbits. They're good food. They reproduce frequently and they produce several often. And so and fertilizer. And, I mean, and they're great fertilizer for your garden. Yeah. So I mean, it's all about using what you have available and being willing to do it. You know, I think I think that's another key is you gotta be willing to put the effort and to also be willing to learn about it. I mean, what would be the biggest drawbacks to the homestead life that you guys have encountered? 
Cations. The Cations. <laughs> they used to be. I mean, it's we, not an issue anymore. We, we have been very fortunate. Yeah. A a customer turned friend turned watches our property for us, you know, has been astronomical. He is such a great man and he actually left his job. He was encouraged by us and he has left his job to pursue um, a job for himself at home and homesteading. And he is astronomically phenomenal. I mean, he's inspired us just as much as we've inspired him. And I think that's been huge for us is to see if we make a difference in someone else's life, we don't go great job, great job, you know, and pat ourselves on the back. We're patting them going, you are awesome. Like we're, we're so happy for you because that's what it's all about. It's not a competition to see who can do the most, do the best mm -hmm. all that in the homesteading world. It's, Hey, you're doing great. Oh, you, you, you need help. What can we help you with? You know? And that's, that's huge. And I think that's missing a lot of times, you know, anymore when someone goes, I need help. Not my problem. Not my problem. You deal with it. You figure it out. Yeah. But in the homesteading world, you got to have that community that goes, I got you. Or you don't know where to go. Let me guide you. Yeah. We were facing some wild wildfires here um, a couple months back and seeing the group of farmers and, you know, homesteaders and together. rangers that just rallied together. I mean, we would have been there had we had a livestock trailer to assist. But um, seeing the sheer number of people move animals around the way they did to protect. And I mean, that's everybody's livelihood around here. Um, you know, if you're in that lifestyle. And so seeing that group of people mm -hmm. come together to do what they did to save those animals was absolutely incredible. I mean, and it went on for weeks of them battling these fires, trying to get everything under control. Um, so, but I do think Go ahead. So those kind of stories that people need to hear more. You wish that's the kind of stuff that was reported on, not the constant doom and gloom. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I, dude, you're hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. The, the doom and gloom is what keeps us all doing our nine to five or, you know, in some cases working three jobs, you know, and you, you just feel defeated at the end of the day. You're like, I, I worked all these jobs, but what do I have to show for it besides my paycheck? Um, I was talking to a friend the other day, messaging <clears throat> them, telling them that, you can go get a paycheck anywhere, anywhere, but you can't always find a place that treats you right, respects you, and is genuinely caring about you. And I think that the word yeah. genuine is the important line there because people can fake care about you. Oh, your family's not doing so well. I'm so sorry. Can you go clock in? You're five minutes late. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, um, and I'm gonna be honest, I used to be that guy 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I'm so sorry, go clock in. But then one one day it just hit me that I get more out of people by being me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I noticed a big difference in my yeah. corporate side, we'll call it. And it's been very beneficial to our homestead yeah. side too, is just being honest with people, being genuine with people and not hiding anything. You know, you just brought out one of my favorite concepts, authenticity. Yeah. That is yeah. huge. Authenticity is what it's all about. Well, and so we recently started sharing more um, of our personal lives on social media. And the number one thing that I'm constantly hearing from feedback is, 
you know how cool it was that your house wasn't spotless? I'm like, yeah, that's mm -hmm. what happened. <laughs> um, and, you know, we share the good. We share the bad. We had a premature goat born a couple weeks ago who unfortunately didn't make it. Um, and I shared the whole story. And then to be out in town at a market and have people come up to me and say, we're so sorry for your loss. I didn't realize people paid attention. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it was kind of cool in a way that this little baby goat brought people to us that probably never would have spoken to us within our own community. Um, so, so I guess it's kind of cool. I don't realize we have a decent following or anything mm -hmm. like that. But then when you're out at, you know, the supermarket or a different farmer's market and somebody says, oh, yeah, sorry about that. We did see, you know, we're really sorry for your loss. I'm like, wow, there's a community of people that are watching. So we need to be more transparent in everything mm -hmm. we're doing, you know, um, because you never know where they're going to be. We actually had it happen this Sunday. You know, we, we, we to us, we're just, just people. We're just people. Yeah. We, we go out. We were at church, and someone goes, "Oh, tomorrow we're going to the Hockney Homestead," and we're like, "Yeah, that's us." We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just dying. She's like, "Wait, you go to my church?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we're just people." <laughs> um, but I think there's a growing. I think people are really hungry for it. Mm -hmm. And it makes me so excited yes. to see that people are really taking an interest in it. And, you know, we get told all the time. So y'all aren't from a family of farmers. And I'm like, absolutely not. That That's not anywhere in our recent family tree. Yeah. Um, and so it's just cool to see people that are interested in it. And we share it all. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly, good news, bad news, you know. Um, so I also one of the other things we get is a lot of times one spouse will want to go in a hundred percent and the other one's like nope not me uh, i'm out that homestead and life ain't for me and yeah. uh, you know I'm, I'm sure every family has that thing that they're like i will not do this and the other one's like but please and yes. i will tell you that it is teamwork oh yeah but you can also kind of persuade them. I was talking to a, a young lady today. She goes, my husband's just not interested in it at all. I said, well, you got to convince him without convincing him. You know, grow, grow a small little garden. Don't make it so obnoxious that he's like, what is this? But grow something small and then cook them a meal using that and don't mention it. And then when and wait to see if he says anything. And if he says, man, this tomato, this lettuce, it tastes so good, go, that's from the garden that we grew. Could you imagine what we could do with like some cucumbers or imagine what, what kind of salad we could make if we yeah. grew our own tomatoes, you know, and that's how you get each other involved and wanting to do that kind of thing is you got to take little baby steps sometimes because it, it is nerve wracking to do this. Um, and it is stressful because you can, you can lose it in a, in a heartbeat. But what can't you lose in a heartbeat? Um, you know, you don't have any guarantee to wake up the next day. Uh, one of my one of my favorite things that I've seen um, some really famous people go is if I give you a million dollars, but you couldn't wake up tomorrow, would you take the million dollars? And well, my answer is no. A hundred percent no. You know, I'd rather work work hard at this and yeah. know where my food comes from and quote unquote barely make it by but i'm going to be a lot happier yeah, i'm going to be a lot happier 
And money doesn't buy happiness. Like one thing I had to put out before I go down that route is I can't let my wife watch this episode or she's going to want to get fully on into home. Yeah. She's, looked at, she's looked at it several different times. I'm not saying it's not for us, but we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of these days. You know, and I guess that's another challenge is the unknown. I mean, we yeah. were greatly impacted by Hurricane Ida a couple of years ago. And um, pulling up to that level of, Simon, bless his soul, wrote it out here at the farm. And I went to my parents' house. Um, it was not, I wrote out Katrina years ago. I was not writing out another hurricane, um, you know, alone like that with two kids. Um, but Hurricane Ida destroyed this place. Um, and we're still attempting to rebuild from the damages that were done. But one of the unknowns at the time was our insurance uh, decided they weren't going to cover any of our outstructures in the event of a hurricane. Because they considered it wind damage. Didn't inform us of the policy change, <laughs> didn't do anything. And so granted, we didn't lose any animals to the storm, yeah. but 90% of our fences were gone. Um, and that's not something that you just like wave a magic wand and the fences magically come back up. Um, not to mention we had to travel about five hours away from here to get feed, to feed the animals. There was no way to stock up yeah. on enough feed um, or gasoline for the generators or, you know, any of that. So it's definitely an unknown yeah. um, of what's going to happen next. But I'll tell you what, man, it's made us prepared for, for, yeah. for stuff. And like, even though something bad had happened, you know, we, we could see the community coming together. Okay. We were able to help with things in the community. You know, we gave out some chickens yeah. to, to people like you would not believe walking up to someone and going, this is all I can offer you. I know you really don't have a place to cook right now, but you've got a, I see your uh, char grill works, you know, cause it doesn't need electricity. Here's a chicken. And they were like, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. And so it was, it was really cool to be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's just, it's the optimistic outlook you two have is fantastic. <laughs> cause you have to have that life is going to get hard. And especially in that kind of lifestyle where, it is very dependent on unknown variables. You can't plan for every weather phenomenon. Heck, I mean, you're not going to have to worry about snow, but there's always every other form of weather basically can hit yeah. down there yeah. and out of nowhere. Yeah. And um, like the drought, we're about to experience a hay shortage. Yeah. My goats and my cows 100% rely on hay. Um, so we're going to do everything we can, but I'm not going to be the person hoarding hay. You know, if my neighbor or a fellow farmer or homesteader needs the hay, they, they are more than welcome to come get it. And when we both run out, we'll figure it out because what good are we if I'm doing better than them because I'm hoarding it, you know, or because I had the finances to stock up and they didn't, you know, I had one friend call and she's like, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, I mean, I only have the few cattle, but what's going to happen? They're talking about hay prices quadrupling in the next few months. And I'm like, girl, if I have it, you're welcome to it, you know? Um, and same goes for like, you know, any of the medicines I carry, you know, because we have an arsenal of first aid kits for all animals. And I get phone calls all the time. Like, I can't find this. It's all the way in Metairie or Newark. You know, it's an hour away. What do I do? And I'm like, you pull up in the driveway, honk when you get here and I'll bring it to you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not going to do me any good hoarding it. Thankfully, I don't usually need anything out of our first aid kits, but I keep them stocked. You know, probably better than our own human first aid kit. We, we don't own a human first aid kit. They're band-aids <laughs> and the kids take them all and they put them on. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, my, my form of a band-aid is some mud and some spackle it on there. 
rub some dirt on it, walk it off. You'll be fine. My daughter got on me the other day. She's like, you can't walk off like when you hurt your head. Yeah, you can. You'll be fine. Just walk it off. Yep. Might be a straight line, but you can walk it off. <laughs> Just don't let Beth have a hammer. She'll hit your thumb 100% of the time. Oh. I mean, you know, speaking of which, <laughs> um, Simon doesn't give himself enough credit. He built all of the structures we have around yeah. here. Uh, he does the electrical for our structures. He does the plumbing. plumbing I, I, I do it all. I mean, it I is. have a barn that's it's it's forty by eighty. Forty by eighty, um, with running water and electricity to it. Um, cameras. I have a birthing suite for my goat, and it's not because we had a ton of money. You know, it's because he knew what he was doing, and if he didn't, we researched the heck out of it and figured it out. But I knew I wanted cameras. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm not. Sounds like next time you're in town, we'll have to give you a call. I have some projects. Hey, <laughs> hey, as long as, long as it's below 50,000, I'm good on electricity. That, that's the cutoff for me to have to have a license. Electricity is one that every time I play with it, I'm like, I don't want to do this again. It's yeah, I, I, just, I, just got, I just got done. Um, so we have a, we, we actually, when we started off, we started buying from a, a local person, and yeah. she is now my wife's best friend. Yeah. And, um, her dad uses me for jobs and so like he'll call me up and be like hey can you come do this i'm like sure i can do it for you um and so it's just great because he's like i just want to help you out too because i could go get someone else but i mean you're my daughter's best friend's husband so <laughs> why not give you some help as well as i get to hang out with you because he he comes out and he chats with me and you know He's a cool dude. <laughs> That's nice. See, it's the community. I'm, I admire the community aspect of all that. That, that is it, man. Like, if we could preach one thing, it's community, yeah. community, community. Our our goal for next year is a community garden. 100%. That is our goal for next year because yep. um, I think that it, it's great that the government gives some assistance to people, but we would love if some families in need could stop by and just pick up some good produce that was from local farmers and take care of their family to see their smile i mean the other day beth was out handing food out to to people that needed help and praying with them and it, it was just it was just awesome it was absolutely amazing to to see what the community needs and that is people to help and i think a lot of homesteaders need to realize that it's not about me 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 it's about the community that you serve, you know, because at the end of the day, you are a server to the community um, yeah. and they actually help you out more, more than more than you, you realize. The community really helps a homesteader out, whether it be financially by coming to your your booth every week to, mm -hmm. to buy your local good or stopping by and um, purchasing produce, you know, we, we see homesteaders that have produce packages, a, a monthly subscription that you can do to go get produce. So, I mean, community, 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 that's, that's our goal. Yeah. The complete opposite of what a lot of society is doing, right? As we've evolved, you know, I've put the air quotes up there, yeah. become more isolated. People don't need to leave their homes people don't feel like they need to make relationships or if they have relationships i've worked three different jobs where i have never met anyone in person i've literally worked with them over cameras for years but i've never met any of them 
And that's crazy that they think that, like, oh, man, I've talked to this person for years. I couldn't tell you how tall they are. I'm, the job I'm working now, when I go into the office, you know, into the client sites or for a different site, there was a guy who I thought was probably about 5'5". Five, five. He ended up being about 6'4". Oh. He was huge. I was like, whoa. Like, I, did not, <laughs> I did not expect you to – where's your camera focus? It must be, like, way up here. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just it's a crazy world. So being able to get back to that community effort, you know, some people say, oh, it's rustic, it's nostalgic, it's you know, a bygone era. But it's it's what human beings are need it's of. What hurt. we're meant to be. We, we we are not meant to be yeah. isolated creatures. You know, and I'll tell you, uh, when we got our first goat, and um, I kind of posted a video of our oldest daughter um, drinking goat milk in her. It was a bottle at the time because she was so young. Social media about roasted me because I was crazy. And then I think it was a couple years later, there was a formula shortage. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted goat milk. Mm-hmm. One person's crazy is actually what you need. And so maybe I wasn't so crazy after all because they were literally blowing us up for goat milk. And I'm like, yeah, no. I, we don't sell it for human consumption. We use it for, you know, crafts and stuff. Yeah. But... um not to mention I didn't have any, but I just thought it was interesting how the tables turned very quickly from you're crazy for giving your kids raw milk to, oh my gosh, there's no formula. I'm going to need to go buy goat milk from that crazy farmer I talked about two years ago. <laughs> um, so we're crazy until we're not. Mm -hmm. um, and when we started this whole journey, you know, post pandemic, I think maybe one in 10 families had chickens. And now I think it's closer to one in five. You know, I mean, it's getting better. Um, I don't think it's getting nearly as good as I want it to be. <laughs> chickens are the gateway. I think everybody should have chickens. They're the gateway in. If, if As soon as your wife says, Casey, we're getting chickens. Just know you're also going to have goats. You're going to have cows. You're going to have pigs. You, you, that, that beautiful room you're in ain't going to be there anymore. <laughs> Oh goodness. Okay, so have coming at the community aspect of it, what are some of the funniest stories that have come out of homesteading? One was actually the other day. Um, so a motivated pig will bust through an electric fence. Um <laughs> And sometimes the electric fence may not work in the drought, I come to find out after talking to the manufacturer. So you got to keep the ground really wet. So the other morning I was awakened by my wife screaming, your pigs are out. And I said, how do you know this? She goes, the neighbor just texted me. So, okay. I get up. I just throw a pair of pants on over my PJs, throw a shirt on and go out. Cause I'm like, okay can't be that far right but it's a pig i go out the mama and all six of her babies gone and i'm like okay i can't go back until i find them all so i walk down the driveway i go to the next person's house which is what 500 feet to the left 500 feet to the left walk their property get stared at by them obviously and i go my pig got out <laughs> Then I got to walk all the way back, walk to the other person's property, which is another 500 feet, not there. Then I go across the street because the neighbor that called was outside finally. They weren't there the first time. And I go, so where'd she go? And they go, they went that way. 
and points towards the back of their property, which is a bunch of brush. So I had to go into hunting mode, walk back there. I didn't bring any feed with me because I'm like, I'm not going to take my chances on carrying this feed bucket and getting all wonked around. around. Um, and And I lost all my tracks. No more poop. No more scuff marks. And I'm like, I'm dead. I'm thinking I'm about to be put on the smoker instead of these hogs. And uh, well, I call my cell phone. I call her and I say, I can't. And before I can get out, find her, she's straight in front of me with all of her pickups. So then I change my words into, I need you to get into the truck, drive this mile with some feed. And she goes, okay, where are the truck keys? Jingle, jingle in my pocket. <clears throat> and um, so I had to walk this pig and her piglets a mile back to the property with a stick. I had to direct mama, like you see in those pig shows. And the piglets followed. And to get her across the road, my wife was nice enough to bring the feed bucket. She set it down with an attitude. <laughs> And uh, I pushed Mama Pig across, and I'm like, okay, babies are going to follow. Baby pigs decided to go playing in the ditch. So I then had to chase six piglets across the street while traffic watches. Oh, I bet. That'd be a spectacle. And all all you get is the, what are you doing look out of everybody. And what am I doing? I don't know. But look, that's another day. Imagine the text messages. Sorry, I'm gonna be a late. This idiot's chasing his pigs across the street, stopping up traffic. I mean, yeah, yeah. And then um, the boss will never believe. Oh, look, there were times I I would text people, "Hey, I'm gonna be like ten minutes late. The cow got stuck." What do you mean the cow got stuck? Well, she decided that uh, she was going to try a different hole of the stanchion today, and she won't pull her head out that way. So now I got to take the stanchion apart so she can get her head out. And when she could have just pulled it out anyways, but she's a cow, doesn't listen. You know, and it's it's funny and it's comical, and I'll never forget, I finally convinced him to let me get a milk cow. Oh. And I had the stand belt and we were ready to go. Well, there's some things they don't tell you in the books and the YouTube about buying a dairy cow. And one of them is that if you buy a dairy cow from a semi-commercial farm, when she gets to your property, she's going to have no idea what the heck's going on. So I spent the first four days of owning my Pride and Joy Maybell standing at the milk stand with a bucket of feed, begging her to please get in so I could milk her. And um, when we finally get her in, I literally cry tears of joy because we are about to get the most expensive gallon of milk that we have ever purchased in our entire life. Not to mention, I know she's going to get some relief from this, like I'm finally getting to milk her. Um, But there's just things they don't tell you um, about this, this life. And that's really what we try to do is show the good, bad, ugly, funny, you know, all of it. I mean, most of the time we... I know the people that live across the street. We don't have neighbors that can really see us, but there's people that live across the street that get to see the whole show. And um, 
The funniest experience I had where my wife was not involved, but I yelled her name a lot, was um, my father-in-law came to help me gather a pig. It, it's always pigs with me. It always is. <laughs> um, this pig was not my friend, and I knew this, and I needed to catch him so that he could go to the butcher because my wife did not want me to butcher him here on the property because... She just didn't want me to. And I argued and argued and argued. And I was told he's going to the butcher. So finally I had to say, okay. So <laughs> father-in-law comes. It's time to load him up into someone else's trailer because we didn't have ours at the time. And I'm like, I'm just going to grab this guy. It's a Cooney Cooney. It's not a very large breed pig. I'm like, I'm just going to pick it up and take it in. It's cold. It's muddy. It's wet. Like wet, wet. Um, it's like five days before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And my father-in-law, God love him, forgot his muck boops. So I'm alone in this venture. I chase the pig around. I get it. And I look at my father-in-law and I go, I'm going to steer him. So I go to steer this pig. That pig turned its head so fast and bit my finger. Ooh. And I was mad. I was, I was choosing words that... I, I shouldn't have chosen. I'm screaming my wife's name and I tell this pig, I'm going to take you. So I go and I grab him and I'm about to pick him up. He dragged me. I'm 150 pounds soaking wet. And um, he was dragging me. And all I hear is my father-in-law go, are you okay? Dying laughing. As I'm getting dragged by this pig that just, just about bit my finger off. We get it in and I'm screaming, Beth, can you come help me? Because I, I'm, I'm scared to let this pig go inside. I, I, I'm like, I don't know what it's going to do. So I let it go, and it just lays down. Once it's in the trailer, <laughs> it just lays down. It, but, okay, pig, this is what we're doing today. You're going to bite my finger, drag me across, cover me in mud. I'll never forget the day we bought that pig. Drove all the way to the house, <laughs> like two and a half hours away. And they convinced me that this pig was friendly and was just going to walk into the cage and we were going to pick up the cage and put it in the truck. This pig was not having it. So I look at the guy and I say, got any beer? He says, what? I said, seriously, do you have any beer? He's like, no, I'm like, Simon, go get a case of beer. Nearest gas station up the street, go get me a case of beer. So sure enough, I proceed to pour a bunch of beer into a dog food bowl and get the pig slightly intoxicated so we can just, <laughs> Place the cane over him and put him in the bed of the truck. So that's my advice on loading pigs. Just give them some beer. They'll be calm and do whatever you ask them to do. And then you're good. It was the most peaceful ride home I have ever had with a pig. He was out. How cool. Even when we got home, yeah, I was like, is he alive? I'm like, no, oh, he's fine. Snoring. He's just intoxicated right now. <laughs> you know, I thought I heard a story about a drunk pig. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I'm sure you, oh, go on. No, no, you're fine. I'll let you run. Really, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you. I'm sure you have other questions, and and I, we're ready for them. Like, you're not going to be the only person with a question. So I, I want to hear from from you. Like, questions. I mean, you got a lot of my big ones. Something I'm curious about is what. So we talked about the tours. 
talked about, you know, you're hands-on, you do the processing, you teach people how to do it themselves, you do it at the bakery going, you're selling anything you can sell. What other, you know, possible business aspects are you looking at right now? Market. Yeah, the, yeah, market. the market. We do, um, we do some farmer's markets here in town. Um, and by that, we're the only vendor. Um, and it's kind of the hot me homestead show right now, but I'm, to, I'm challenged to get some more vendors out there. But something else that we've started is we have online courses that we teach. Mm -hmm. um, so we have everything from sourdough to raising a backyard flock, um, keeping goats. Raising your own meat. Yeah, how to produce your own chickens for meat. Um, gardening simplified, so it doesn't matter if you're in an apartment or if you're in acres, how much of what to plant when to produce for your family. Nobody needs more than like five tomato plants if all you're going to do is eat them on salads. <laughs> uh, and so we do e-courses and that has actually been, it, it's been really cool. So we have a couple people um, that I considered, um, I guess like reverse mentorship, if you will. And I've asked them, give me every question you have about the next thing you're adding to your homestead. I'm going to answer it for you. And so that's how I've written the courses. Um, our personal experiences that you don't read online, you know, um, or on YouTube channels, the things they don't tell you. We include all of that in them, the good, bad, ugly tips and tricks, everything I keep in my mm -hmm. first aid kit. Um, yeah, it might say it's a type of fencing that's great for pigs, but it's probably not. <laughs> Um, and so all of that's outlined in our courses. And so now when people purchase certain animals from us, we're able to offer them those courses at a discounted price um, for buying the animals from us. That way they have the tools they need to succeed. It's everything that I wish we had when we started. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the courses, that's a whole other demographic you're talking. You don't have to it could be people not just that you meet personally, but you can touch the entire globe. We actually touched Canada and she yeah. cried. I did. I got first, uh, we got our first <laughs> Canada student and I did. I got pretty emotional, emotional about it. I'm like, she had other people to pick from and she took us. Like that was kind of a big that deal. That was a to big me. deal. Um, that Huge was like deal. our first international student. Um, and it was, it was, it was really cool. We went back and forth in conversation for a while and she said that we really inspired her just with what we're doing. And um, so she started taking some of our courses. She's become a really cool friend of ours um, to touch base with. Time zones are a little bit tricky, um, but it's been cool to reach somebody in Canada. Like yeah. We've had Mississippi, we've had Texas, we've had Alabama and some nearbys, but Canada was, was yeah. definitely a mile marker for us. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's a model that the way you guys are doing it is much more appealing. I mean, my wife, I said, she loves the homesteading idea. She's watched lots of different people's stuff. Like you all said, it's either you get the one or two demographics. You get the everything's Pinterest perfect. This is, you know, like a dream life that has no problems. It's all going to work out fine. And then you have the people who are like, you're not tough enough to do this. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those two. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say we we don't um, do things like most families. I mean, our kids have iPads. Our kids take dance lessons. You know, we do homeschool, but they're in a co-op and we interact with other kids. And, you know, when we have the tours here, they're all about it, you know, getting to show um, all their new friends their farm. And I think it's cool to experience this lifestyle from their point of view. Yeah. Um, when they tell me back, 
you know, the oldest, she's in this phase of, can I tell you what happened today? And I'm like, sure. And hearing it from her perspective is really cool. Yeah. You know, she doesn't see the hay that we didn't clean up and she doesn't see the house that probably needs to be pressure washed. And she doesn't see those things to her. It was, we got four eggs today and not three, or we found a blue egg instead of only Brown. And those are the, those are really the whys. And I tell anybody that's interested in this lifestyle, figure out what your why is and then you're unstoppable. Yep. That's all you have to do is figure out why you want to do this. See, that's awesome. I'm you probably didn't even listen to the lectures by Sam McSinnick that everybody else has bought that he talks about that. You know, the why is where it comes from. If you don't understand your why, you can have the greatest idea, the greatest product, the greatest whatever it is, but you're not going to be successful. I mean, not that I'm trying to go off into an Apple thing here. Apple's not always the best product, but they get lots of customers because they sell their why. And that's yeah. That's yeah. And your why is your passion. It, it really is. Your why is your passion because yeah. you can't lose sight of it. And it needs to stay your why, you know, um, if, if you get big and you lose the sight of your original why, then you got big for the wrong reason. In my opinion, you know, you need to always revert back to your initial why for everything, because at some point you're going to have to make a decision. Do I go with my why or do I go for what everyone else wants and, desires you know and for us it's i'm going to stick to uh, to my why you know and it may benefit us it may make some people mad you know we we always knew that um you don't get rich farming you just don't <laughs> um most of the time the odds are not in your favor um and you're going up against i mean you go on a battle every day mm -hmm. and yep. so for example our tours i charge five bucks it's you're not going to get rich off of tours, but I do sleep really good at night knowing that we gave 10 families the fuel they needed to give this a try. Yeah. And I do. Uh, I love that we're giving families the opportunities to come see what we're doing. And at the end of the day, I think we're living the dream life. There are I people that tell us that, that they go, you're living our dream life. And I'm like, okay. You know, I mean, I, we wake up every day, write our own schedule, decide what we're going to do. If we want to go on vacation, we go on vacation. You know, we're not going to get rich living a homestead, but I'm also not dropping $800 at Sam's Club every month. I mean, we don't even go to Sam's Club. <laughs> uh, like there were when when the pandemic was happening, we didn't even know about some of the shortages that yeah. were taking place. I remember a couple weeks ago, we ran into the grocery. The girls wanted a watermelon. So we ran into the grocery after church on Sunday and grabbed it. And I happened to glance in the meat section and I looked at him and I said, how are people affording this? Still yeah. Children, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we feed our animals and that costs money, but 700 pounds of beef that we put in the freezer last year maybe cost us what? $1,500, $2,000 at the end of processing and everything. And we're still eating on that right now. I mean, I don't know how people are doing it. I don't know how more people haven't decided yeah. to live this way. Um, because bringing him home full time was a game changer for us. I mean, the fact that we get to wake up every day, decide what our day is going to look like and do whatever we want. It's pretty sweet. It is. That's awesome. That, that is a dream for many people. I mean, it's the, 
it's the freedom of not having to, you know, what are you working for? You're working for yourself. You need to enjoy the things that you enjoy. You're choosing what you want to do. You're not having to punch the clock to pay somebody else. Yeah. And I really think we're working for the girls. You know, I mean, they're really the driving they force are. behind why we're doing this. I want them to have the opportunity to live the life we didn't live. And look, if in 20 years my girls decide they want to be lawyers or whatever they decide they want to do, I will fully support it. But I know that they know how to grow food. And I know that push comes to shove. They know where to get food yep. from. And I do want to say, you know, we talk about making our own schedule and the freedom that it gives, but you do have to have a plan. Absolutely. You know, uh, I, I don't want people to be thinking, what? You can just free it out? No, 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 no. No, this is five years in the making. You, I mean, this yeah. all started um, about five years ago, This the plan for where we're at now. Um, and so it did take time to get to where we were, but... Yeah, plan. The, 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 gotta have the plan. You gotta have the plan, and you both have to be active on the plan. You know, that at at one point, I I told her, I said, "Hey, I don't know what the plan is anymore," and we started to to see that differentiation between our success and all that because yeah. there was a disconnect. Because my plan was, I need to go outside, I need to do all these things outside, and she's like, "Hold up, no, 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 that's not what we're doing." I'm like, "Okay, we need to revisit the plan." You know, um, and then she she's done the same thing. She's like, I don't know what 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 you're doing right now, but we need to let, let's plan this out. Yeah. You know, and that's that's huge. You both have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to make a plan. Yeah. Have to. And scaling, I mean, scaling to where we're at took lots of planning. You know, you don't wake up one morning and have chickens, pig, goats and a donkey yeah. in the front yard. <laughs> Um, it took lots of, you know, the girls want a horse. I can promise you we're probably never going to have a horse on the property because a horse doesn't serve us a purpose. Right. And at the end of the day, if it's not serving us a purpose, we can't do it. Now, we have a toy poodle <laughs> and we have, you know, a bath and hound mix. Yeah, I mean, we do have fun stuff for the girls, but a horse is probably not in the agenda. Um, for us. Horses are very expensive pet. My sister grew up with horses. That, yeah, no. So we bought him a donkey. Because <laughs> it's protection. It is. I mean, everybody here serves multiple purposes, and that's really the way yeah. it's worked out so well. I mean, w one of our, our best things ever was a, a livestock guardian dog. Yeah. You know, she she is my best friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. She, you can tell she is my dog. Um, but she spends... 24 hours a day, seven days a week outside. Um, patrol on the patrol on the property. Yeah. Um, now when we have a bunch of people over and they're gonna be outside, I put we will put her inside so that she can take a break. And man, you wouldn't believe this dog. She you would think that you gave her a million dollar suite because she is just laying down, enjoying her best life inside that house. Yeah. Things could be going on, the toy poodle could be yapping at her and she's just like no you're not going to ruin this moment i'm inside <laughs> i'm going to sleep right here <laughs> yeah so a couple questions for you that are you know a little bit more random i try to tailor, tailor them a little bit to you know the guests that i have on here okay we talked a lot about your stuff so if you guys were not doing homesteading or if you know for some reason this didn't work out what would your future plans be so the future plan would honestly be, I would go back to running a restaurant. Um, 
if I had to go work for someone else, I would go back to running a restaurant. And that's because you can make good money that way. It's a hard lifestyle. Um, but, um, it's what we're both used to. Yeah. Um, she would still stay home with the girls cause we made it happen on one, one income yeah. for, for many years because I, I promised her that she could be a stay at home mom and homeschool our girls because we, we feel a certain type of way about our, the school systems at this moment in time in our nation. Um, so my guarantee to her was that I would go back full time to work at a restaurant. Um, and that's just how it would be. We're both used to that lifestyle. Um, but it, it I hope that doesn't come. <laughs> so now's a dim and gloom question. No worry, I'm going to redeem it here. So where do you really want to see yourselves still in five years? In five years, I honestly want to be a, we want, we want to be mentors to people. We honestly would love that these tours, we love them, but we want to go out to people's properties. We want to be hands on. We're so hands on that we want to be with you while you're going through the nitty gritty, the toughest part of homesteading, and that's getting started. 100%. Just getting started is the toughest thing. Just saying, I want to do this and having someone in your corner yeah. is huge. I mean, my mom and dad didn't do this and they were supportive. Her mom and dad, they didn't do this and they have been supportive. Uh, my brother-in-laws, they are supportive. Their wives, they're supportive. My nieces are even supportive and they're six and three, yeah. almost four. I mean, I think the, the end game really for us is to make sure every family in the country has access to do what mm -hmm. we do and has the knowledge to do what we do. So whether it's calls like this with families or us physically packing up and going to other properties, analyzing what's going on and saying, okay, this would be a great spot for this. And this exactly. is why this would be an excellent spot here, but also making sure they can make an income off of it. I mean, we have literally sold everything at some point, you know, chickens, goats, cows, pigs, so we know how to figure out what the market is desiring. And so to make sure other people have the means to make profit from it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not making money while you're homesteading, then you're really a hobby farm. Exactly. It's not a, it's not a source of income, you know? Um, and so I think making sure people like, look, he's a spreadsheet person. Yeah. Part of one of our courses that we offer is a sourdough course. And in there, there's a course on, so you want to run a bakery. And he gives you the spreadsheets to plug in your numbers and see what your profit margins look like um, in order to be profitable. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, you know, with the technology thing, I, I'm, a yeah. I'm a computer guy. I can run Excel to excellent. And so when it comes to our bakery, we have all of our ingredients in one sheet. And then when we create a recipe in another one, we, it, we type in the price that we want to be at and how much money do we make? And then we type in all the ingredients that we do and how much it yields and it'll spit back like, okay, this is how much profit you make. Okay. Well, if this product takes me eight hours to bake and I'm making 50 cents, is that really worth it for you to do? Exactly. And then you look at, well, how much would I have to charge to make it worth it? And can my market sustain that? That's the other thing. You know, when you're a homesteader, you have to look at your market. Yeah. You know, well, chickens around here in Louisiana, huge. But, but I mean, five years ago when we started, we were at the high yeah. end for our chickens and I wouldn't budge on it. I said, this is what they're worth to us. If you don't want them, don't buy them. 
Um, and now we're on the low end and I'm not going up on my prices. My prices haven't gone up in four or five years and they're not going to go up now because the product's still the same. Just because the demand goes up doesn't mean I have to go up on my prices. Right. Um, again, you're not going to get rich being a homesteader. It's just not going to happen. Um, but I do think the life you live and the feeling of um, creating this lifestyle, that alone in itself is pretty rich. Yep. You know? That's what I was going to say. I think you're, you're getting the other form of rich, which is much more important than the wealth. Right. So my final big question, and this is what I like to give everybody, and I love having two guests on at the same time because you both get to, you know, get the different perspectives. So who's going to go first? That's the question. You can go first. Okay. <laughs> Throwing it right to the wolves. I like it. Okay. So, you know, there's typical points in everybody's life, but I try to hone in on one that's very universal. And that's about 14 years old. You're going out of middle school or junior high school into high school. If you could go back and have, you know, a very short conversation with yourself, what would you say? I'll take this one first while she thinks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> enjoy the ride. You're going to hurt, but it's going to be worth it in the end. That That's plain and simple because I wouldn't, we were talking about this just the other day in the car mm -hmm. ride. I would do everything all over again to end up right where I'm at. I would, I would endure everything all over again, knowing what I know just to end up right where I'm at. Yeah. I, I, I I'm serious. Like it, awesome. we've all, everybody's been through stuff, been through heartache, been through loss, been through happiness, been through joy, been through it all, had all the emotional roller coasters along the way. And I would just look at myself, put my hand on my, my shoulder and say, it'll be okay. It's going to be a fun ride. That's awesome. I mean, now you got to follow that, Beth. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> so I guess it's a little different for me because I've known since a very young age that I wanted to be a chef. I've always been passionate about food. Um, I did culinary arts programs in high school and um, went to two different schools, actually. I went to competitions and went to culinary school. I mean, I've always been around food and I've always known that that's where I was going to be. So I guess my advice would be just to trust the process. Um, it was all God's plan to put me where I'm at right here. Um, had I not gone to culinary school and had I not decided um, that food was so important. Mm -hmm. And I used to always tell people, they're like, why, why do you want to be a chef? And I said, because everybody has to eat. And now it's, why do you want to be a homesteader? And it's because everybody has to eat. So my answer has remained the same. Everybody still has to yeah. eat. It's the quality of food that you're eating. So even as a chef working, you know, at Commander's Palace, for example, where I was at years ago, I thought I was a big wig. <laughs> I was working for one of the best restaurants in New Orleans and, you know, there was a wait list to even apply back then. Um, and everybody had to eat and people were choosing to eat the best food they could. And now here I sit 10, 12 years later. And I think the food that we're serving at our dinner table might be better than the food you're getting at most fine dining restaurants because of the love and the amount of time we've poured into it. Yep. So 14 year old me, Trust the process because it's going to land you right where you need to be. Those are both fantastic perspectives. I love <laughs> both of those. And, I, and it's good advice, you know, trying to think back and you're not always the same person. And you're definitely, most of us aren't. So that's just awesome, you know, the advice that you give. 
That's great. I mean, what other, we're kind of coming near the end here. So what kind of comments do you want to bring up there? You know, I just want to thank you for having us on here. I mean, it's been a godsend to even, you know, just be able to share this this information. Like, I I don't know. I might've, we've known each other for a long time, but we hadn't connected in forever. And I mean, God works in mysterious ways. And we heard the other day at church, you know, um, someone was talking about an experience they were going through and God, is this it? And he says, I hear, heard him say, I'm not done yet. Yeah. And I looked at Beth and I said, that's, that's where we need to be. You know, we need to trust in God because he's saying, I'm not done yet. So why are you, you know? Um, And I mean, I guess my biggest advice to people is get off of Pinterest, get off of Instagram, (laughs) unless it's our account. I'm just kidding. Um, But find someone local to hang out with and see if this is really something you want to do. I mean, even people in apartments, you know, there are plenty of things that you can do, even if it's making your own bread. Homesteading is not about, you know, grinding your own wheat. (laughs) I mean, by all means, if you want to, but you don't have to just to um, be more sustainable within your community. Go to the local farmer's markets, support your homesteaders, support your local farmers. Uh, because at the end of the day, I think they're more important now than they were 150 years ago. Yeah. And I, I would also say we've been talking to the people that aren't homesteaders or farmers. Yeah. And I want to say something to the farmers and homesteaders. Open up your doors. Let them in. Let them in. Show them what's going on. If if you think it would be embarrassing, I trust, I, I promise you, it's not. Someone's going to benefit from it. Put your yeah. Putting yourself on the spotlight is nerve wracking. Because people will judge you, but you're going to inspire somebody. And that one person might need inspiring at that moment in time. And that's huge. You know, you got it. You got to inspire just one person to feel better. That's worth it all. Yeah. Inspiring one person. I mean, if, if this podcast hits one per, if you tell me that one person commented that they're changing their whole life because of this and they feel empowered. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished even if you only had one person. I would, I would feel accomplished yeah. by that one person because they needed it. That's awesome. And so going back to that kind of route, where can everybody follow you? So you can follow us at Instagram, hockney.homestead. Yeah. On Facebook, it's Hockney Homestead and Hockney Homestead Bakery. And um, I'm Simon Hockney. You can follow me. Um, and this is Beth Hockney Armstrong. Um, you can follow her as well on Facebook. Um, we we both post very different things from time to time. She posts a lot more than I do because I'm not very social media ish. Um, I need to be because every time I build something, she's like, why didn't you take more pictures? And I'm like, I was busy doing the job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we do have a ticky talky, but uh, I forget about the TikTok. it very well yet. Uh, <laughs> what so is, that, what that's, is that TikTok? TikTok, you can as well. <laughs> um, but you know, we might not even be on there next week. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I have not embraced, and you know, you could call me old fashioned or whatever. It's just it's it's too much. I, I barely like Instagram. I have to navigate that. And on my other group that I work with, I actually have a guy that that's what he does. He enjoys it. Like, Great, because I'm not all about <laughs> Facebook's <laughs> like where I jumped on and jumped off. There's, um, you know, the 
that's just how it goes. There's a lot, uh, a lot of my people on Instagram are part of a younger, you know, a generation before, you know, after us. And, uh, but those are the main two platforms we're on. Okay, well, that is awesome. And this is, it's, it's absolutely been my pleasure to have you two on here. So thank you for joining me on this one. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Constructive Curiosity. Constructive Curiosity is presented by SFC Consulting. For all your career coaching, mental performance enhancement, and business management consulting needs, SFC has the insight to get it right. Visit sfcconsultingservices.com for more information.